The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. Well, it's that time on Riviera Radio on a Sunday morning where we talk to Rob Kay. Good morning, Rob. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yes, I'm fine. Thank you very much indeed. Good. Well, a very different subject this week, Rob. I don't think we've ever dedicated a whole report exclusively to focusing on the financial challenges ladies face when they lose their husband or get divorced. But for all the husbands out there, stay tuned in, because this subject affects you, and it needs your input. But before, what news, financial or other, caught your eye this past week? Well, I would, um, last week uh, we highlighted the fact that France's main unions had called for industrial action to demonstrate their feelings about the government's proposal to change the French retirement age from 62 to 64. Unions threatened a series of strikes over three weeks, each with increasing severity, depending on the support their protest received during the process. Well, the first national strike took place on Thursday, and after bringing large parts of the country to a standstill, unions are now planning further strikes. The Interior Ministry said a million people took part in 200 protest marches across the country. Obviously, the unions then claimed the figure actually was much higher and had topped 2 million. Either way, the demonstrations represented the biggest show of force by the unions since President Sarkozy raised the retirement age from 60 to 62 back in 2010. In response, President Macron said the reform was a just and responsible process and pledged to carry through with it with respect and a spirit of dialogue but with determination. He said he had a mandate to raise the retirement age as the proposal was included in his re-election manifesto last year. Now, for the first time since 2020, Davos this week played host to the World Economic Forum under the theme of cooperation in a fragmented world. 50 heads of state, 200 cabinet ministers and 1,500 business people apparently spent the week discussing what was described as a laundry list of major issues the world is now facing. Unsurprisingly, the war in Ukraine came top of the list of topics to be discussed. That was closely followed by the world's cost of living crisis. 2023 was described as the year of the poly crisis. Other topics included inflation, recession, the climate, sustainable fuel sources, food security, and what was described as the fourth industrial revolution, a term used to describe technology and innovation, the interconnectivity of artificial intelligence and quantum computing, and how best to govern and regulate those issues. Now, speaking in Davos, Mark Carney, the former governor of the Bank of England, praised the British economy and heaped praise on Britain's institutional strengths, which he said had allowed the economy to withstand a series of shocks after the financial crisis. The UK's inflation rate, this week it was announced it had dipped to 10.5% in December, and the Bank of England said it expects it to continue falling to around 5% by the end of the year. Jeremy Hunt, the UK Chancellor, welcomed the fall, but insisted we need to stick to our plan to bring it down further. On this side of the channel, the annual inflation rate was actually 5.9% in December, down from 62 in November. This was mainly due to a slowdown in energy prices. The November figure was a four-decade high and still well above the European Central Bank's target of 2%. 
This week, the EU also announced that its new digital immigration entry and exit system, which requires non-EU travellers to register and have biometric data, including fingerprints, taken at the border, will not be ready to be rolled out as expected in May. But the EU insisted it will be introduced by the end of 2023. Finally, it was also announced this week that 2022 champagne sales had hit an all-time high, exceeding €6 billion. The double-digit increase was attributed to consumers rejoicing at the end of lockdowns and rediscovering their taste for celebrating. It was reported 326 million bottles of the clearly very popular French sparkling wine were sold around the world. Moving on then, what happens when he's gone? Can you explain what prompted this as a specific subject? <laughs> yeah, um, as regular listeners will know, Howard, Blevins Franks has been advising British nationals who live in France for nigh on 50 years, and in a few months I will have been here with Blevins Franks for 25 years. The majority, probably about 80% of our clients, are retired British nationals. Many of the remaining 20% are or were previously married to a British national or they spent a lot of time in the UK so they have a close affinity to the UK and, and many acquired UK assets while they were there and many also have a very UK-centric mindset. The common denominator for most clients is they want to use the services of a financial advisor who is experienced in dealing with cross-border situations but also one who has a deep understanding of how things work locally. Now, Blevin Strikes clearly ticks those two boxes. When someone first becomes a Blevins Franks client, they are frequently in their 60s and retiring to France. Blevins Franks clients range from mid 50 to early 80s, and because we've, we've been around for so long, quite a few are in their 90s. Unfortunately, because we've been around for so long, every year we lose a few clients to the Grim Reaper. Overall, ladies tend to still outlive us blogs. The last time I looked, the average life expectancy in France was 83, but for men it's 79, and ladies on average lived until they're 86, so seven more years than us blokes. Recently, we were one of the sponsors, and also involved, in Riviera Wellbeing's The Good Life Day. Now, sitting at the back, I was struck by the mix of people in the room, but also by the fact that ladies outnumbered the blokes by at least seven or eight to one. That got me thinking about our clients, and it suddenly struck me. These days, we probably have more female clients than male clients. And what's the main reason? Yes, you probably guessed it. They've survived their male partners. I also realise this isn't something that's just happened. It's been a constant issue, probably for as long as Blevins Franks has been around. It's simply something which hadn't crossed my mind before. Well, in this day and age, this sounds quite sexist. <laughs> well, I'm sorry if it does sound sexist, Howard, but, but facts are the facts. From a purely personal perspective, I'm not overly happy with the fact that ladies outlive us blokes, but that's unfortunately the reality. So rather than worrying if we're being sexist or avoiding the issue this situation creates, we, we need to face up to it and understand the issues and deal with the facts. The issue of ladies lasting longer than their male partners is also accentuated by the fact that, in many relationships, the guy is older than his girl. When you combine that with ladies living longer than their husbands, 
The reality is we really need to think about their economic situation, potentially for maybe 10 or maybe 15 years after their husbands have died. In my experience, when the relationship or marriage is a second or third long-term relationship, the age imbalance is frequently much greater. I'm not going to go into the whys and wherefores. I'll leave you to decide the reasons for that. But frequently, ladies go for older men the second time round, and gentlemen tend to go for younger ladies. Both these situations exacerbate the issues we were discussing today. We're probably straying onto potentially thin ice here, Howard, so we probably need to focus specifically on the elephants in the room. Okay, so where do we start? <laughs> um, I'm tempted to say at the end, because that's where many of the imbalance issues surface and become problems. But that's, but, you know, the question is, what can we do early which will prevent the succession issues from causing problems? These days, the issues of ladies relying on their husbands from a financial perspective is not as serious as it was, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago. But we can't get away from the fact that lots of ladies work until they have children. Then, while the children are growing up, it's the wife rather than the husband who stays at home and raises the children. This issue is frequently one of the main reasons why so many widows face income challenges. If the husband was the main breadwinner, and if his pension is the couple's main source of retirement income, his death usually means that pension income reduces. Most widows' pensions pay a percentage of the full pension, which was paid prior to the member's death. Really good schemes pay a 75% or 80% widow's pension, but they are in the minority. Most pay 50% or sometimes even less. There is very little you can do about this. The scheme rules dictate what happens, but it's important to know where you stand rather than finding out after your husband has died. If your husband started drawing his pension before you met him, you could find his pension will die with him. Some schemes don't allow payments to new spouses, so it's really vitally important you know where you stand. We also shouldn't forget our state pensions die with us, which is the main reason why I'm strongly against rolling up or deferring state pensions. If you do defer taking your UK state pension, the UK government will pay you an additional 10% for every year it's deferred, which initially seems like a really good deal. However, ignoring inflation, it will actually take you just over 17 years to recoup one year of deferred pension through increased weekly subsequent payments. So if we go back to life expectancy, a bloke would need to live well beyond the average dying age for men to make a deferment viable. There could be a marginal gain for a lady, but again, it will depend on her living beyond the 82. So if you have a history of family illness, or you're a long-term smoker, or you suffer from ill health, then it's probably a risk not worth taking. If you supplement your pension with investment income, you need to understand what happens when the first of you dies. How you structured your investments could mean a chunk of the deceased share has to pass to the children. If there is one child, they're entitled to 50% of their deceased parents' assets. Two children must receive two-thirds, and if there are three or more children, they will share 75%. And remember, last October, France changed the Brussels Four rules. So if your investment assets are in France, you might need to revisit your succession planning strategy, which can be especially difficult if your children are from a previous relationship or marriage. Are there solutions? 
there, there are, but sometimes the horse has already bolted before we're able to create a strategy. If someone has bought a single life annuity or taken a guaranteed pension, those options can't be undone. As I said earlier, final salary pensions, sometimes known as company pensions, are usually very vanilla. You get what you are given and there's very little room for manoeuvre. Most UK pension providers also take a very bland approach. They usually tend, send, tend to send out templated options letters as you approach retirement, which tend to offer you one or two or three, maybe, maybe more options, but most include a lump sum. Now, as we've said before in these broadcasts, that lump sum in France is taxed as income. Then, a single life pension option with various levels of indexation is frequently offered. These are entirely wrong for a couple who will be relying on this joint income being paid until the last one of them dies. So what can be done? Well, that's the starting point. Um, um, that's where the starting point must be. You need to identify your goals. You need to look at your current situation and consider how it will be impacted when the first of you dies. Are there any holes in your strategy? Are there any easy fixes? If you have the luxury of not having taken your pension, you can ensure you take the one that is most appropriate for your circumstances, both now and in the future. As I said earlier, if you started taking your pension, it could be too late to make any changes. However, if your pension is a money purchase pension and you've started drawing drawdown payments, you might still be able to make some changes if those current arrangements are inappropriate for life in the future. One option might be to transfer your pension from the UK, then surrender it, so it's not restricted by the scheme's rules. We recently had a client who wanted to transfer her pension and surrender it. The proceeds were then used to buy the villa from her husband, because it was owned solely by him. If he died owning the property solely in his name, his two children from his first marriage would have had a valid claim on two-thirds of the whole of that property. You mentioned investments a little earlier. What do we need to consider with them? The, the, the starting point must be to understand the French succession rules and what happens when you die, especially if you don't have a plan. If you have children, whether they are from this marriage or a previous relationship, they will have a claim on your assets when you die. So you need to understand the situation and decide if those rules fit with your wishes. Obviously, if you have three children and you rely on the income your investments generate, it's probably going to be a struggle for 60% of those jointly owned investments to generate the level of income you need if your husband dies before you. If that investment portfolio was in his sole name, because maybe it was easier to manage that way, you could end up with just 25% of the capital. We see this situation far too frequently and it usually means other assets such as the family home must then be sold to free up additional capital which can then be used to generate income. Is property exempt from these succession issues? No, unfortunately it isn't but a surviving spouse can't be evicted by her husband's children when he dies. She has the right to remain so there's a little comfort there. But if she doesn't have the income to finance her expenses and the property's costs, she might have no choice but to sell, which can mean she's hit with a double whammy. A chunk of the investment capital must be paid to the kids, and once the property is sold, some of the sale proceeds also need to be paid to them. 
it's an awful situ situation to find yourself in because there's very little wriggle room after the event. The situation is completely controlled by Deconian succession rules, which are set in Tablets of Storm. As you can imagine, over the years, we've been involved in thousands of situations where couples want to ensure the surviving spouse is cared for and spurred serious financial suffering. Many of these situations required quite extensive re-engineering and in some cases the only solution has been to sell the home and rent one, or rent another one, before the first person dies. Having to sell your home is obviously an extreme situation and most situations can be appropriately arranged without, let's say, with less upheaval. So what's your advice to all the ladies out there who are listening this morning? <laughs> um, I've got to say that probably the main message this morning must be you need to understand your personal situation. What will happen if your husband or partner dies before you? Financially, where will you stand? Will you have enough income? And what will the children be entitled to? Too many ladies leave the household finances to their husbands. Too many rely on their husband's pension income. And far too often, the household's financial assets are held in the husband's sole name. This is uh, as difficult as a conversation as it can be. The conversation needs to happen, though, before it's too late. This is something that definitely can't be rectified after the event. The opportunity to resolve any issues will die with your husband. The situations I've described today are not usually premeditated. They frequently simply are created by circumstances or byproducts of life events and, and situations. The wife wasn't around when the signature was required. Something was set up temporarily and the expectation was it wasn't a long-term solution or situation. Many Brits have a will. Maybe they, they made a, an election to use the European Certificate of Succession, Brussels 4, and they believe that solves all their issues. So if you want to understand what situation you'll find yourself in when your husband dies before you or if your husband dies before you, have a conversation with a Blevins Franks partner. Remember, an initial meeting with Blevins Franks is entirely complimentary because until we understand if we can help you, we don't start charging. Our local French telephone number is 0493 001780. That's 0493 001780. If our Monaco office is more convenient, you can arrange a call or a meeting with one of our Monaco-based partners by telephoning Monaco 97775574. That's 97775574. And you can also contact us via the website, which is www.blevingsfranks.com. Many thanks, Rob, as always. We'll talk again next Sunday morning. Thanks very much, Howard. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493 or riviera at com. It's time to review your financial planning for 2023. Are you paying too much tax on your investment income? Will the UK budget mean you pay more tax on your UK assets? What's the best way to transfer wealth to your family? Are your investments suitable for today's world? How can you make the most of your pensions? Blevins Frank specializes in holistic financial planning. We'll be happy to review your wealth management for 2023 and beyond. Get in touch today. Visit blevinsfranks.com.